Welcome once again to Cinemaholics, a major motion podcast, where we talk about the biggest and best films coming to theaters, streaming online, and fighting each other for their very survival. From the San Francisco Bay Area, I'm John Groney, film editor for InBetweenDrafts.com. From Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, he's a freelance film writer, and the odds are never in his favor. It's Will Ashton. Are you going to say I volunteer as tribute? What does that mean? You have to volunteer. I mean, you do volunteer for this podcast. Sure. That's what I mean. I'm, I'm, I'm in battle all the time with you. Uh, you know, <laughs> always talking about how much you love the Marvel movies and uh, whatever else that I don't like. So you're, I feel like I'm always kind of fighting for my life anyway. So I, I say like to I think we're from the same trip. district, though. There's a little bit of tension, a little bit of contention. Will they actually have to fight each sure. other? But ultimately, we're, it's, it's us versus the, the rest, isn't it? Sure. Uh, uh, did you introduce what movie we're talking about? The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes, a Hunger Games story. That's what I like to call it. You and I have never talked about the Hunger Games together. Um, no. on Cinemaholics. Yeah, yeah Mockingjay came out before we ever had a chance, huh? Yeah, so, yeah, I was going to ask you what you thought of these movies. Or the books. I haven't read the books, but maybe you have. I have. I haven't read Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. I, I did read the books. My experience with Hunger Games, pretty clean. Um, essentially, and I'm just kind of re- trying to remember, I remember we did talk about Mockingjay on Now Conspiring. So that was, that was 2015, so you and I hadn't met yet. But... Yeah, I didn't read the books until I watched the first movie. Or no, I watched the second movie. That's what happened. I watched the first movie in like 2012, whenever that came out. And I didn't watch it in theaters. I had heard of Hunger Games. I thought it was a weird concept. I was like, teenagers killing each other? That's Battle Royale. What are we doing? And then I actually saw it at home because somebody was like, all right, let's watch Hunger Games. Let's do this thing. Jennifer Lawrence, she's on the up and up. And I was like, sure, yeah, whatever. I saw Winner's Bone, okay. And then I watched Hunger Games. I was like, oh, this is okay. This is like a kind of solid movie. It's like pretty... I don't know. It it, it kind of checks the boxes. It was a little bit more polished than I expected. I, I wasn't as aware of uh, Francis Lawrence before I saw it. But anyway, yeah. So I watched the first one. I was like, oh, that was interesting. But I wasn't like excited for the second movie at all. I was kind of like, that kind of wrapped it up. What are we doing? Like, uh, what are you going to do for the next one? Another Hunger Games? That doesn't make sense. Then I watched Catching Fire. And I remember that was a that was a tricky one because it was like Philip Seymour Hoffman had passed away. And at this point, I was reviewing films more. And I watched Catching Fire in the theater, and I, I actually thought that would, that was a really good hook of an ending. I, I was really interested in like what happens next, so I couldn't wait. I read that's when I read the books, so I read uh, Mockingjay, and yeah. Uh, well, a few things. For, for one, Francis Lawrence didn't direct the first Hunger Games. That was I think. That oh was yeah, Gary he directed Ross. Mockingjay, huh? No, he directed everything but the first Hunger Games. So he did Catching Fire. He did most Mockingjay movies, and he did this one. But I. I thought, if, if I remember correctly, didn't Philip Seymour Hoffman die after Catching Fire, but before the Mockingjay movies came out? Yeah, I think you're right about was, that. Yeah, I might be thinking of like leading up to Mockingjay. Yeah, because I think, if I recall correctly, he was filming the Mockingjay movies when he passed away. And that there was like one crucial scene that I think they had to recast with uh, Julianne Moore's character just because uh, unfortunately he wasn't able to film it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I do remember pretty well that of all the films, that was uh, unfortunately his last one. It was uh, Hunger Games, Mocking, Hunger Games, yeah, Mockingbird, or Mockingjay. Mockingjay, you got this. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, no, the director of the first movie, uh, sorry, it was Gary Ross. That's what I thought, yeah. So, and I believe Steven Soderbergh did some like ghost directing on it, or like, he, I think he did some AD work. Or something. He, I know he was involved. 
uh, in some capacity. I'll be honest. This is 2012. I was not following movies as closely in 2012. I, I was wow. taking it because I was following movies more in 2011. And then 2012, I kind of took a break to focus on blogging about music and stuff like that. And I didn't come back to movies until 2013. Yeah. I get it. You were get busy getting paid and getting laid. I get it. <laughs> I, I like that. That's the way you phrased it. Sure. Uh, you, you had no time for these funny pictures and the teen drama and all that. I get it. Well, I, I just remember people looked at the teen drama of it and they're like, yeah, this is Twilight again, the love triangle stuff. And that, that's kind of how I perceived it. I was like, why is in full swing? Harry Potter movies have kind of already done their thing. And I don't know. I was kind of over it. It was, I was kind of like how you are with Marvel movies now. I was like, okay. sure, whatever. I'll watch this. I mean, sure. if I have to. But no, I did like Catching Fire. I thought that movie was fun. Uh, I remember being more intrigued by, I think it was mainly because Jennifer Lawrence, because I had seen winter's bone and i was like you know seeing that this was clearly a star on the rise and uh, i was really intrigued to see uh you know what was happening i I remember she was like in really close contention with i think Haley steinfeld uh if i recall Mm. correctly and i think i remember thinking that Haley steinfeld would have been a better choice but nevertheless steinfeld was coming off of true grit which for sure you know would make a lot of sense like between the two actors yeah yeah but nevertheless, I mean, obviously, uh, Jennifer Lawrence wouldn't be the Jennifer Lawrence we know today without the Hunger Games movie. And I think she was, you know, a, a great fit for Katniss. I think Katniss Everdeen's iconic. Love her or hate her. Yeah, I do think those movies, at least those first two movies, were greatly benefited by having like a clear star at the front. Like I, they do mm-hmm. have a lot of the typical, um, you know, kind of uh, quibbles that you have with the young adult adaptations or movies or what have you but she does bring a grounded authentic authenticity and a clear movie star presence to that role that i think really helps to i think establish what that movie's tone and style was going for um but yeah i mean i i do remember liking but not loving the first one i really enjoyed the second one i think catching fire is quite uh quite a good film but then yeah mocking jay part one i was kind of like yeah, it was fine i guess i don't know I, I don't remember having like a strong opinion on it and then the slow. second one this is very slow because you could tell they were like we're stretching out a book into two movies and it's not that long of a book like right. i read mocking jay on a plane ride <laughs> like it's not like right. i and i remember i read it and i was like how are they doing two movies for this it doesn't make sense yeah it was kind of chasing the fad of uh um breaking the last book of a young adult series yeah we'd seen that with twilight and we had seen that with harry potter to a lot of success and it was one of those things that for years after they were still like at that time planning to do an Avengers part one Avengers part two, but it was movies like mocking Jay and divergent and stuff like where Hollywood was like, Oh wait, if you put part one in the title, people are going to get annoyed. Yep. And they still get annoyed as uh, made evident by, um, uh, mission, mission impossible. impossible. Yeah. Reckoning. Yeah. Tom Cruise was just like, that was really cool. What Harry Potter did. Has anyone tried that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I get it. He was maybe a little behind the times there, but sure. uh, Dune, Dune, they avoided that. I remember. Yeah, like, that, yeah. Was, that was kind of close. And I did close hear call. that. I guess the new Mission Impossible movie, whenever it gets made, is going to drop the uh, part two thing. So I guess it's just going to be called. I don't know what uh, life it's gonna reckoning. Be, I, I guess I don't know. It's maybe gonna it's going to be Tom Cruise's next edge of tomorrow where they're just going to change the name and hope that people didn't notice. Yeah, uh, I also love um, didn't the Divergent uh 
movies. I don't think they called it part one or part two, but I remember they broke it off into two movies and no one cared about, I think it was Legion, that last one. We just never got so the part never two. Made yeah. The second one. Yeah. Cause at that yeah, point they so were just, not calling it part one, part two anymore, but they did split it off. It was like Allegiant and Insur- well, Insurgent was like the second one. I want to say, I don't even remember exactly what they did, yeah. but yeah. And they were like, right. Oh, we'll just do a TV series. And then that didn't even come out. So like, it's just a film franchise right. that ended without ending. Yeah. Yeah. It just, it just ended. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the funny thing about that, the reason I'm glad we were kind of talking about part ones and part twos is that obviously I think that was the biggest flaw with that. Uh, the, the last two, uh, uh, hunger game movies, the mocking Jay films is that they were just kind of needlessly broken off into two films. They were a little too dour. I think they, they were maybe a little too plotting. Like you suggest, they only had one um, big theme and it was just so like, revolution can sometimes have a dark side and like it, it just comes down to aesthetics which i'm like okay that's an interesting theme but like they just it's because it's only one theme for two movies it's just right you don't need two movies for that yeah um and then now we get to this new film this is like the first one in uh i guess almost like 10 years now I think eight, eight years. years. Yeah, part exact, two came uh, out 2015, and this is the prequel. The book was written in 2020, and it, it does kind of come off like they two things uh, as a reaction to the Hunger Games film franchise, which is, hey, Suzanne Collins, you wrote the Hunger Games trilogy. We want you to write a prequel that we can turn into a movie. You got it. And then it was the sort of thing where like, hmm, we can't do a part one and part two again. That didn't work. Mockingjay part one and part two lost a lot of sizzle because of that. We're right. just going to do a mega movie because that's the thing that's popular. Like I was saying this in my review, that's the new Hollywood trend they're chasing in this case is, oh, just just make the movie super long. That's what you get with like Oppenheimer, right? Sure. And yeah, I mean, I guess that's uh, it's ironically the opposite issue that the last two Hunger Games movies had where it's like those ones are like that could just been one film. We don't need to break this off into two and extend this for too long. This one, you're watching it. It just feels like two movies crunched together into one and it's like yeah i mean it's i guess fine for what it is but you, you do kind of feel a uh, yeah, I, even agree with that. I i think that it's it's a it? movie with an extended and inflated epilogue honestly that like tries um, to be a, a movie but isn't really i don't know i thought it made an interesting case for people who claim that like the the star wars prequels like oh you could have just done that in one movie it didn't need to be a trilogy and you watch this, and it kind of feels like you're watching Phantom Menace, Attack of the Clones, and a little bit of like Revenge of the Sith. And then it's a weird comparison, though, right? Because the Star Wars prequels had so many non sequiturs. They had so many like side plots and extra characters. It wasn't as focused. And I think that's the complaint that people sure. make. It's just like, just make a movie about Anakin Skywalker and Obi-Wan Kenobi. But instead, we kind of got this like big ensemble series of movies where that stuff was in the center of it. But it was there was so much more epic stuff going on. Whereas with this movie, Songbirds and whatever, it, it still is pretty focused. Like it is about the snow guy and like his whole deal, his character journey, descent, ascent, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. And um, you know, it it but also, I mean, the reason I bring up the Star Wars prequels is that you are kind of watching like the rise of a, you know, dictatorship in some ways. Like you're watching the rise of a, a a leader and all that. And, and you know, I mean, if you, anyone goes into this knowing about the hunger games, they're going to know that things aren't going to turn out so well for this snow guy. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's still like the first half you're watching and you do, you're, you're kind of supposed to be endeared by him a little bit. And you kind of are like, Oh, well, you know, maybe the, the bad stuff doesn't happen for later down the road. 
And so like the first half, I think really proves to be kind of compelling. I think they, they, they form a nice sort of focus with, uh, Rachel Zeigler's character. Oh, you didn't give me a chance have- to set the movie up at all. <laughs> okay, sure. Go ahead. Um, yeah. So yeah, I was, I've been waiting to do it, but I'm like, okay, where's this going? Um, but yeah, we do need to set up this movie for folks. We aren't, who don't know. Um, okay. So as we already mentioned, yeah, it's a prequel movie and it takes place about 64 years before the first movie. Like technically we open like with President Snow as a child, which is even further back in time. But the bulk of this movie is when President Snow is essentially like 19, 18 years old or something like that. He, we find out some interesting things about him that, uh, and first of all, he's played by Tom Blythe who uh, people might recognize from stuff like uh, TV. Like he was uh, in uh, Billy the Kid, uh, that that TV show, and, and a couple other things. But um, yeah. yeah. First thing we learn about him is that he's a he was a dang honk. <laughs> yeah, about President Snow. Uh, I, I think he had a small role too in Benediction, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and also people probably recognize yeah. him too from The Gilded Age. I forget uh, he had an episode on that. But anyway, so uh, like I said, the, the movie's kind of following Snow as like a young adult. He is going to this like academy. And even though he lives in the capital, and if you remember about the Hunger Games, all the rich, snooty people live in the capital. And this is like the aftermath of a war. And during the war, his father was killed. His father was like this general. And he he ba- basically he and his cousin, who's played by Hunter Schaefer, and his grandmam, who I have to double check the name of the actor. I think Victoria Garber is the the actress who plays her. No, no, no. I'm thinking of something else. Um, Fiona Flanagan. That's who it is. Uh, but anyway, so they live kind of in poverty because his father died. So their, their family has been losing money and he's being raised basically in a, in a difficult situation there. But he's still going to the academy. He has his goal of like, I'm going to get super great grades. I'm going to, you know, find a way to restore, you know, my family's legacy and get us out of uh poverty, uh, destitution and all that. But then he, you know, his, his hopes to do that, his plan to do that get disrupted when he and his other like fellow students at this like hunger games Academy or whatever, or I guess it's just like their university. They, they are tasked with being the mentors for the 10th annual hunger games. So hunger games have been going on for 10 years at this point. They were created by this guy, Dean Highbottom, played by Peter Dinklage, and people have stopped watching the Hunger Games. So to kind of remedy that, the uh, the game master in this case, uh, played by Viola Davis, and uh, along with Dean Highbottom, decide that they're going to assign capital students, like the best of the best, the top students, to these different tributes from the districts, try to help coax them into putting on more of a spectacle. And so that's kind of the course of this movie. We see president snow be like, all right, I'm going to rise to the occasion. Not, not president snow yet, but uh, we see him being like, I'm going to try to like kind of rethink what the hunger games can be. I got all these ideas, you know? And so we see kind of the makings of like how the hunger Games started and then really echoing into what they would be in the, main film trilogy so like things that happen in that movie kind of as everybody expects were things that were sort of figured out on the fly or and by random happenstance by a bunch of these kids uh, 60 years ago and along the way he starts to try to connect with his tribute which is a district 12 uh, person if you remember district 12 is where katniss everdeen is from but of course this is in the past the past uh he has to essentially try to help this girl played by rachel zegler 
uh, named Lucy Gray Baird, and she is a singer, performer. She doesn't know the first thing about fighting, and together they kind of have to figure out a way to, if not survive the Hunger Games, have her be enough of a spectacle so that he can win this like prize, essentially for doing the best mentorship. And they say that, oh, yeah, you don't have to, you don't have to survive the Hunger Games for him to win. But as you start to see, he he builds like a genuine affection for Lucy Gray and decides that maybe there's more to it than, than he expected. And so that's kind of the course of the movie. And, and I think that my thing with this, maybe you'll disagree. I, I don't think two movies would have been good either. I think two movies actually would have been the same issue as Mockingjay part one and part two. And I also don't think just mushing them together was the ideal solution either. I think it should have been a TV series, honestly. This, if anything, could have been a TV series, and I get the reason they didn't do it is because there's money on the table. But I genuinely believe, like a limited series, ten episodes, you'd have all the time you would need to make this thing work. Yeah, I mean that's fair. I don't know. I feel like that's kind of uh, one of those uh, point criticisms that I guess same as maybe splitting into two movies is I don't know. That's kind of arbitrary because we don't really know for sure if it would work that way or not. I just feel like in terms of the story and pacing here it does feel like something is condensed. I think a lot of the issues do end up coming in that second half because they're so reliant on building snow into being the snow that we know uh, in the future, the the movies that we've seen already. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's a little, I don't know. It's, it's not that it's poorly done because overall, I think I'm pretty positive on the movie. I think it works more than it doesn't. But I just find myself not really sure if... Uh, the way they went about this was ultimately to the film's benefit because we do kind of lose the stuff that works in the first half. We do have to kind of like reset a little bit because there is a kind of sense of finality when the first half is done and you're like, Oh, okay. Yeah. It feels like, you know, we got the classic hunger game model again. And then like things are kind of winding down and you're like, Oh, okay. I guess, you know, things are still going on. <laughs> and then we get to like, what's set up to be a second half, which is obviously a lot more, uh, dour a lot more bleak which is fine but does not really congeal with what the film was before that and i think a second film probably would have been able to set that up better and i think it would have showcased the the change that we see in the progression of the character maybe a little bit more fluidly because as it stands now it feels like a little haphazard even though there's stuff set up in the first half uh about snow kind of being this new person and it's not that you don't fully buy it because we kind of knew this going into it, but it just doesn't feel, I think as organic as it would have been if they had more time. If that meant doing it as a limited series, a streaming show, or, uh, you know, as two movies, I'm not sure, but as it is currently, as much as I'm usually a component for making these one film and kind of keeping it all, uh, aligned, it, it does kind of feel like this one needed some more time to expand. And I guess to, to its credit, I do think that unlike Mockingjay, there is a clear endpoint. Mockingjay Part One doesn't have a clear endpoint. Like it really just kind of ends as a movie, if I recall. Whereas, and I think the issue with the second movie was I just always felt like it ended a bit flat. It, it ended a little bit like too neat and tidy, and not even neat and tidy because there's such a major character death. But it just it's so sudden and it's so rushed. I don't know. I, I just never quite felt like. Collins really stuck the landing with her story. And I do think the movies also kind of suffered from that too. Whereas with this, I do see the potential to really flesh out the story. And I'm, I'm more conflicted about the TV series thing than maybe I'm letting on because at the same time, I do worry that 
there are so many shows, there's so much content that this is just one more thing that would get lost in the shuffle. Like we can't assume that it would be this big deal to justify it not being in theaters. I just sort of feel like at least just appreciating it as a story. I would have liked watching it episodically rather than trying to just like watch the whole thing all at once because so many little things got rushed. And I, for example, I really felt like I was supposed to like certain characters and I didn't, I feel like Sejanus, who is the best, uh, best friend of Coriolanus uh, snow. He, uh, he's played by Jose or Josh Andre Rivera. And he's kind of this, like, he's a fascinating character on paper. He's somebody who's from one of the districts, District 2, but his family got really wealthy from the war, and so now he's in the capital, and there's, like, a clear conflict there. And he's a very crucial character. But that second half of the movie is so rushed, and it jumps so much, that I found myself just kind of really rolling my eyes at him when I felt like there weren't proper pieces to really get across what was going on with that character. Yeah, I agree, because his introduction into uh, the second half of the film without giving anything away does feel very sort of scripted in a way that I feel like maybe having a second film or whatever a show could make that a little bit more organic and maybe a little bit more believable. Like a whole episode just for him. Maybe. I don't know. But um, yeah, it just kind of feels like, well, I'm here because the script told me to, (laughs) you know, it just doesn't, it doesn't feel as, as believable as I think it may have been if they had, uh, really gotten us to know the character a little bit more, maybe outside of the book. But um, yeah, I don't know. It's just like stuff like that. that I feel like the movie uh, suffers because it doesn't allow us to really get to know and, and understand the developments. They kind of have to speed through, like you said, a lot of stuff in the second half to get to the expected conclusion. And because we had sort of a natural place to end it for a first film, I agree that like, yeah, it just seemed like it would have made more sense to split, but I get that like, if you did it as a show, it's not certain. Like they do want to make this like an event. And it does seem like, you know, people have genuine nostalgia. Like the, the younger generation does seem to be coming to this because they have a reverence to those original hundred game movies. Like there wasn't a lot of buildup. It felt like for this movie, like I wasn't seeing a lot of buzz among people I know at least, but you know, it, it is seems like it is doing well. Like it is capturing uh, interest and it, it is kind of making a, uh, the profit that I think something like wish wishes it could, uh, no pun <laughs> yeah. intended. It's it's um, doing decently. So it's it's made 154 million worldwide so far. Uh, I think that it is winding down a bit. It's made, but it's made 98 million domestic, which is really solid. I mean, I think uh, you know it's only a hundred million dollar budget. So you know it might not necessarily make a lot of money because of the marketing budget. But, you know, there's still some runway left for the movie. If it can kind of keep echoing up a little bit more to 250 million worldwide, it, it can maybe cross that threshold. But I, I don't know. I think they were expecting more for this. And I think part of the issue, too, is that I don't know if this really works as a November movie. I kind of wonder if, you know, I know the summer was a bit crowded, but yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know if people have the time to go to these long movies during the holidays. That's the thing. Because around this time, it's like, if you're trying to pick a movie, what are you going to do? The two and a half hour movie when you have, and this is like more of a four quadrant, like uh, that. that's a, a tough thing to wrangle. Whereas in the summer you have like, you can go during the day, you can go, you can do matinees and it's a little bit easier to do that sort of thing. Yeah, because I'm trying to remember, um, I, I, I don't remember exactly when the other movies came out, but if you had released this, say, in the spring of next year, and like, you knowing that, like, because of the strikes, there isn't going to be a lot of competition, you'd, you'd may, maybe they're worried about competing with Dune getting pushed to them, sure. but like, I don't know, it feels like Dune 
and Hunger Games should have switched places if one of them had to get pushed back. The thing, though, is like Dune is more for adults. And I think that this this movie is also for adults, but it also is trying to heavily market to younger audiences, teenagers, people in their young 20s, fans of the books, you know, who are a bit older now for sure. But, you know, it's still kind of going for that YA aesthetic. So that's why I mean, like, it's usually easier to capture that demographic in the summer because, you know, teens and yeah, they, they don't have as much time or like they're studying. They got the holidays coming. They got exams. Well, Ash, we got to go study. They're busy. Those tweens. Um, but I'm yeah, looking out I for know. them. I mean, trying to. I don't know. Outside of the release, I, I, do, I do want to kind of maybe talk about some of the stuff we do like about the movie, which is I, I think for me, at least uh, a lot of the performances here. Yeah. Um, uh, primarily, I mean, I think it, it is a common thing with these Hunger Games movies, but the supporting cast generally, I think, kind of outshines the leads. Uh, not to say almost uh, by design, uh, really. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, like, I think it's it's a given that uh, Rachel Zeigler would probably outshine the male lead. I, I actually don't know his name. You, you set Life. him up. I forget. I think Tom I Life. think he's good, not great. I think Ze- Zegler is occasionally fantastic, usually fine. Yeah, I guess that's fair. I, I think she's really solid in the first half, but because of the shortcomings uh, of her character, as far as how she's written uh, in the second half, I don't think she gets as much time to shine. I agree, sort of, but I got to say, one of my favorite moments with her character is in the second half because it's it's kind of like where her character really comes alive for me. Sure, that's fair. Um, yeah, I mean, to me, though, with Blythe, it, it did kind of feel like, well, for one, uh, I mean, I, I'm I'm willing to forgive the movie for this, but like, you're telling me that this guy grows up to be Donald Sutherland? <laughs> like, nothing against Donald Sutherland. He's a very handsome man, but like, he Donald Sutherland... I feel like has looked like a middle-aged man. I kind of bought it for all of his life. I don't know. I feel like Donald. I mean, I don't know. Maybe if I looked at a photo of Donald Sutherland at eighteen, I would change my tune. Yeah, I'm, but not, I'm gonna push back like against Sutherland that, Will Ashton. I think I actually think that's pretty decent casting. I don't know. I don't know. I just, but to me, it, it kind of felt like they were cheapening him a bit because, like, it seemed like he like w- took his shirt off more than he really like changed expressions <laughs> half the time. You know, it's just like. <laughs> It Arsh seemed like they were kind of more focused. <laughs> it, it, and I'm not, I'm not blaming him. I'm blaming that's more, I think, a producer director thing. Like, I think they just seemed like they were kind of casting him for his bod and looks in some ways. And, and you know, performance wise, I think you know, in the second half, I think I actually think he gets a little bit more time to excel in a way that I feel like he's maybe a little bit stilted in the first half. Sure. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I do think he gets overshadowed by you know the clear. Uh, you know, award nominator winning talent around him, which, you know, is kind of a given for these movies when you don't have someone like uh, Jennifer Lawrence at the at the forefront. Yeah, they, they give but, they give uh, Zegler so many chances here to sing. And and look, she's a great performer. She has a sure. great voice. I think she brings something interesting to the character. The singing was a little much. There, there were a few times where like, we don't we don't need another song. It was kind of like watching Wish. I was just like, OK, hold on, please just we get it. Like It's fine. What? Yeah, I don't know. I had to kind of get endeared to it a little bit. Like when she started singing at the beginning, I was a little like, okay, it seems a little shoehorned in. Uh, but, you know, they did make it pretty integral to her character. So I was a little bit more forgiving, I guess, of that as it went along. Um, but as far as the supporting cast, I mean, obviously, I think the highlight here is uh, Peter Dinklage, who is just, you know, doing a wonderful job as the dystopian version of Dr. House. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I think he's really exceptional. And I think he's really good at kind of giving a gravitas to these films that they, it's like, I think what is supposed to make them kind of stand out is that they have sort of like a, 
you know, a dour kind of grim outlook, but something that's a little bit more kind of tethered to reality, even outside of the sort of sci-fi and fantastical elements that go into the story. Uh, and I think he really nails that. And I think, you know, it's a shame that he's not in it more, but I, I, it was also fun to see uh, Viola Davis kind of have a Meryl Streep moment where it's like, you know, she's kind of used to playing, you know, very kind of uh, morally square, kind of like dour characters as well. So this is her chance to be like, I'm an EGOT now. I'm just going to play it goofy and fun. And it's in a good way. Like it's, yeah. I think it's a really uh, endearing and, and charming performance as well. And uh, yeah, it was just kind of nice to see her let loose a little bit in a way that I feel like she hasn't really been able to uh, much. I have to admit. Yeah. I mean, it, look, anytime we cycle through these characters, it just, it, it's a smaller cast than you would expect in terms of like, we don't meet a lot of like big wigs, but we kind of do go back and forth between Dinklage. Viola Davis gets a lot to do here. And I think Jason Schwartzman is kind of the secret weapon because you know, oh, yeah, you yeah, have yeah. all yeah. you know, so you have him sort of playing the the father of the Flickerman guy from the original movies. And you have all of these scenes where you just you need a character like him to kind of ground us in the absurdity of everything. Because we don't see one one issue that I had with the movie was that we don't really see people in the capital. Like we don't really get a sense of life there. And it's an issue because we're supposed to believe that Corio is like so obsessed with returning to the capital. And they try to tie it almost solely on the stakes with his family. But you, there's so many arguments you can make that decisions he makes aren't necessarily in their best interest. So there is a lot of messiness there. But we do at least get Schwartzman and we kind of get him in just sort of like that representation of like the kind of like you get to know the people of Pan M through him, you know, and outside of like, sure, we, we meet a couple of kids at like that zoo thing, which is horrific. Sure. And we meet like the students at the Capitol. But yeah, I wanted a little bit more of like what life really is like here. What is it like when they actually watch these games? But at the very least, you get to see him kind of hamming up the games and there are a lot of comedic moments, which shouldn't work. Because it's so like and that leads into the thing that I will say that better than the original Hunger Games movies, I think that the way they actually depict the action in the Hunger Games, it's bleak, it's dark, it's brutal, it's awful. And it's something that I think they actually nail the emotional trauma of it a lot better in this movie than they do in the original Hunger Games. The original Hunger Games try so hard to kind of glamorize it and say that's the point. Right. But at the same time, it's a movie that wants the audience to get wrapped up in the action adventure of it. It's very plotting in how it's sort of like, all right, we're going to kill off the sympathetic characters so that when, you know, Katniss and PETA, you know, hurt or kill, you know, the characters, they're the evil ones. They're cartoonishly evil. Right. In this movie, like you have one character kind of like that, but for the most part, it does not hold back. It's it's showing like brutality and it's not making this thing look fun or exciting or anything like that, which is a better approach, you know, that I think that uh, this movie doesn't mess up with as much. But again, though, when you have Flickerbin kind of narrating everything throughout, it still keeps a foot in that whole, like not everybody else is looking at the same way kind of thing that you need for these movies to work. Yeah. And I mean, I, uh, I do enjoy uh, what Stanley Tucci did in the original films and his was like kind of more of like a, Graham Norton-esque, like, infatuated with celebrity yeah, yeah. and kind of the the glitziness of it. But there is something, I think, even more charming about sort of this, like, I don't know, I guess it would, would be like a Bob Hope-esque. Like, I'm not quite sure. Ed Sullivan, parent, but like, kind of, Yeah, like this old-fashioned sort of television persona who's, like, kind of doing, like, these hammy dad jokes, but, like, also kind of, like, you know, acting like, not that he's, like, above it, but kind of, like, acting you know like in a way that allows everything to kind of be downplayed 
and absurd because there's like kind of like uh, awareness of how like kind of just goofy and and uh, horrific it is by him kind of just being cheesy and and silly throughout. And I love like the little touches of him like ordering like like our, i think like changing his reservation because the game's going on too long and just kind of like showing the kind of this shallowness of this character and subsequently the television the televising of the games uh in a really fun way I, I yeah i really enjoyed that as well and i think having that uh lack of humor in the second half uh was definitely to the film's detriment yeah i, I totally agree and yeah i think part of what makes um honestly a lot of that world building work too is how it really does feel like the past in this world. I, I will say like, I wasn't expecting to be as like wrapped up and immersed in this world. Again, it's, it's a world that I didn't know that I missed. I, I, and I think that Pan Am is a very, very, it has a particular look and feel. The names are certainly kind of weird and I don't think it's necessarily genius or brilliant or anything, but I do think it has a style to it that is very unabashed, which I just kind of appreciate. And kind of going back to Pan Am and kind of seeing it like be this kind of combination of the 40s and the 50s a little bit. And I, I don't know, I, I think that it's so unique, right? And and I think people will complain about it, you know, and, and be like, I don't really get it or whatever. But it's just, it's different. Like we don't get a lot of movies like that go for this sort of thing. We don't get a lot of sci-fi movies in general and even fewer movies that kind of blend genres like this. And I think that it, it adds a little bit of variety and spice. And yeah, I'm just glad that it's not another sort of like contemporary costumed superhero kind of thing. Like it can do something a little bit differently. Yeah. I mean, I, I do think there is something to be said about like compared to some of its, um, I guess prequel contemporaries, like we mentioned the Star Wars prequels, but there's also like Fantastic Beasts. Yeah, yeah. And then there's something like uh, the Hobbit movies where it does obviously feel like it's being extended into multiple movies and you're watching like the first, you know, three chapters of something of like, you know, like you're reading three chapters of a book and then coming back in two years to, you know, see the second part. There is something that feels pretty, you know, conclusive about this one in a way that. You know, I guess it kind of goes against the criticism I've had of the film, but it is a little refreshing, at least in some respects. That doesn't feel like, even if they are setting up for something later on, or if it's supposed to be like a new trilogy or what have you, it doesn't feel like, oh, I'm like watching the part one of something. Like it does feel like, okay, you know, I have I've seen a complete story, even if it is kind of haphazard and and a little uh, rushed as far as telling that, despite the extended runtime. Um, but at the same time, you know, it does feel like it it could have been a little bit more uh, fleshed out and could have been, you know, a little bit more extended without sacrificing that sense of uh, a cliffhanger or like, you know, ending it uh, prematurely. Uh, but it didn't seem like they wanted to go that route this time, which is uh, probably ultimately to the film's uh, um, detriment, as I said before. So this is from Gloria Cook. Uh, Gloria gave it three and a half stars and said, a very solid adaptation of the novel. I like the wide angle lens used throughout and especially in the game sequences where that combined with the camera work creates a very cool effect. I'm unsure how heavily the film is relying on effects for setting, but there are times when it at least feels like it's using a lot of composited backgrounds in a way that hurts the usually fairly naturalistic vibe of the series visual aesthetic. The biggest loss in adaptation for me is that Snow doesn't do all that much that would paint him as a particularly bad guy until the final act, but I think the book paints him as a more paranoid and classist person. 
One of my favorite parts of the book is his inability to understand the lyrics, not the songs his girlfriend sings, leading him into more doubt about her and their relationship. It's the kind of touch that's maybe a bit too hard to quickly communicate in a film, but shifts Snow from a troubled romantic to something that highlights the conservatism of the Capitol's ideology more obviously. He ends up feeling a bit passive for a lot of this without that darker edge. Like Jason Schwartzman, he should show up in more things, perhaps could be put in an interesting conversation with Oppenheimer and Zone of Interest as being empathetic portrayals of the lives of men who unleash horrors onto the world and then are haunted by how those horrors will reverberate throughout history. Of course, those films are about real events, which I don't want to downplay when comparing them to this YA dystopia romance. Ending the Hunger Games series, though I would be happy to see more prequels if Collins wills it, I think the franchise as a whole is notably good. They shouldn't be an endpoint for anyone interested in their exploration of revolution and tyranny, but it's cool how layered the political thought that gets injected into these stories is, even if it's always in service to YA entertainment. Yeah, I, the effects are something that I didn't personally like think too much about. They felt kind of anonymous and maybe purposefully so, so I don't have a complaint or a praise there. Yeah, I mean, I didn't really give it much thought, but I do remember, like, when I watched the original Hunger Game movies, the special effects were often, like, one of the, the biggest issues with them, because, like, we're suggesting, like, those films are going for a kind of grounded aesthetic, and then you have, like, these very poorly rendered, like, fire flames yeah. and for the outfits and stuff, and I remember those always kind of taking me out of the movie, and I don't remember having a similar sort of thing with this one, so that's not to say that the special effects, I think, are better, I guess they're a little bit more seamless this time around which I guess helped me get integrated into the world a little bit better, but I don't think they're like a vast improvement necessarily. I've also heard the same sort of thing about how the snow in the book does make a little bit more sense in terms of really like the red flags of his character and kind of what's wrong with him. There are certain parts of the movie where you kind of go a while without getting those red flags. And I don't know, it's something that it basically works, but yeah, for sure could have been a lot better, not just better, a lot better. Uh, so this is a review here from, uh, oh yeah, this is a three-star review from Zach Levy. Uh, so Zach said, I feel like this movie is oh, wow. mid at best, not Zachary Levi. <laughs> uh, I feel like this movie is mid at best. That whole last act bored the F out of me. Give me an hour more of Jason Schwartzman and the Hunger Games, and then I'll be more than happy to watch another hour of this movie. A little bit more negative for a three-star. This is a three-star that's more, I think, positive. Uh, so this is from Jay-Z, who said, I enjoy this movie a lot. I've had a few days to think about it. Wow. And the more I have, the more I've grown to enjoy it, more than my initial thoughts leaving the theater. It's Jay-Z, the initials, not Jay-Z. <laughs> wow. The cast was great. Everyone really embodied their respective roles and characters. Music was great. Rachel has a great voice and really showed her musical theater background. I will say, though, at times the pacing was not for me. The buildup from Act 2 to Act 3 was, in my opinion, very dragged out for no reason. It can feel very long and never-ending throughout the film. I do love how they showed somewhat of PTSD and Lucy Gray from being in The Hunger Games and how her and Snow slowly lost trust in one another and became very sussy-wussy. Also wasn't the biggest fan of the ending. I've been told that the ending in the book isn't any better, so what can you do? I also feel like I would have enjoyed it way more if I had read the book first. I'm kind of curious about that, too. I don't know if I will read the book. I, I have other stuff that I want to get to on my reading list, to be totally honest with you. I don't sure. want to prioritize this. Yeah, I mean, I had no intention of uh, reading the book because I didn't read the other ones, but I don't know. I, I can't compare, obviously, the the books to the films. Yeah, same here, same here. Um, and and yeah, I, I, I'm glad that we're getting, uh, you know, more Rachel Zegler. I think like Shazam was not a great showcase for her. West Side Story obviously was. We'll see what happens with Snow White. I, I, I think that she is a real talent, but, you know, I, I don't know. I, I think that... She, she's a character or an actor, I should say, who 
is probably in danger of getting typecast or kind of getting shoehorned into roles that are more musically oriented because Shazam didn't quite work out. But who knows? We'll see. Yeah, I I feel like she just really needs to do like a like, I don't know, like a neon or a 24 movie from some like really audacious filmmaker to really kind of show her out her stuff outside like musicals and genre films. But uh, and maybe kind of shy away from the the Disney fying that maybe seems to be happening to her at the, or the, you know, whatever the Nickelodeon or whatever you want to call it. Well, she's still quite young too. I mean, she's like only in her early twenties. So, all right, this is from wanderlust 25. We give it five stars. Most positive review. I could, one of the more positive reviews I I could find here, but I wanderlust said brilliant. This is how you make an origin story that enriches a character and makes you empathize with them. Snow is always a powerful character, but this film shows us the real meaning behind his motto. It's the things we love that destroy us. Todd Bly's performance was incredibly strong and completely brought the story to life. Unexpectedly great. I've noticed, you know, kind of leaning into the critic stuff, like there are people who are really liking this. And, and I think there are people who are kind of surprised how much by how much they like this. I was one of them. I, I did not expect to like this movie much at all. I kind of went into it a bit sour, a bit like, you know, it's supposed to be really long. I didn't read the book. It kind of just feels like we're squeezing blood from the stone here. But, you know, I, I don't know if I've said this enough. Well, I, I do think that this is better than some people might expect. I honestly think that. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. For me, because I had heard some of the, the reviews coming out of the film, not that I saw as many as positive as the one you just read, but I, I did see a lot of people being like, oh, wow, not only is this a good prequel, but it makes you uh, either appreciate the the other movies more. Or I've heard some people say, like, this one is like heads and toes above other, above the other ones. And I, I don't know if I necessarily agree in that respect. Like, I think it's maybe not as good as the first two Hunger Games movies, but certainly I'd put it above the uh, two Mockingjay movies. But, you know, I think it's more on par with them than, uh, you know, more exceptional than them, which is, you know, I think, that's I, I think that's also pretty. Yeah, I think that's also, you know, that's, you know, a pretty good praise of the film. Like, it's, it's not unworthy of the, uh, the previous four movies that we've gotten. Um, but, yeah, I don't think it's like, uh, you know, an outstanding, you know, Godfather two S <laughs> achievement. <laughs> sure. Sure. Yeah. And, and, and I would add to that, that I just think that honestly, like those first two movies, when I, when I was watching this, I was kind of like, ah, I kind of want to revisit them. I mean, I ha- I've only ever seen the hunger games movies once. So I haven't seen that first one in like 11 years. So <laughs> I don't really remember it so much. I mean, I remember enough of it that I get it and I did read the books. So I did revisit the story, but I'd be curious to check them out again. I'm, I might not be as positive honestly. Um, okay. The last one here, this is from Rashville. Rashville gave it three and a half stars and said, tried liking this more than I eventually did. Should have been about 20 minutes shorter, but considering what it was trying to do, it should have actually been a limited series instead. Great dystopia depiction and progression of story, which is ultimately brought down by the parts structuring and the editing to accommodate the said structure. This might have the best audio visual treatment in the series, owing not just to the VFX and updated tech, but the meticulousness and crafting where the film sets itself in time and place. Again, by avoiding perfunctoriness to wrap things up, it ultimately becomes a tad bit too long, leaving us wanting more. I like that it just kind of ends. like, it, And it's it feels standalone. We don't need another, another one of these movies. And I... I, I if they do another prequel, like, I guess it could just be something else, but I'm just kind of done with the series too. I feel like you only need four movies. Like what, what would you do? Like you covered it. Like, honestly, uh, well, you mean five movies, but yeah, five, uh, well, I'm saying the four movies we got, I think we're good. Like, I, I don't know what you would do with a fifth movie. Like, yeah, I don't know. Like go a little bit more into the future. Or, I don't know. I feel like, I feel like we know, like we get it. The hunger games are bad. 
what I mean, what else is there to say? Right. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, that's, I guess that's what was the word I was searching for before was standalone. Like it does feel like, you know, I don't need to see another one to like know the gravity of what's happening or it doesn't make me feel like, okay, well, I guess we'll figure out what happened to Coriolanus, the young one in uh, three years. We'll see him, you know, grow a beard or something. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It, it, I don't think we need another one. I'm not opposed to, you know, if they want to make a sequel, but, um, yeah, I don't really at the same time know what's left on set at this point. All right, let's play the Rotten Tomatoes game. We have 206 reviews counted. Will, what do you think the score is? One of them is mine. There's your head. Um, I think it's going to be high. I don't know if it's, um, you know, like, I, I don't think it's like 95% high, but I think it's going to be like, uh, I'll say like a solid 86%. Ooh, it's not 86. It You are 20 points off. It is 66. Wow. Ooh. Yeah, I've, I've been a That's little surprising. bit surprised too, because I have seen positive reactions out of this. I'm not sure why it, it's more mixed, considering like, I don't know. I've seen plenty of critics be like, yeah, this is good. Like, and giving it a pass at the very least. But yeah, what are you going to do? Uh, audience score, we have a thousand plus verified ratings. What do you think? Um... Well, I guess they're going to be more positive as a result. Uh, but I don't know if they're going to be like over the moon. Is this one like 83%? Ooh, 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 ooh. Closer, 89%. Oh, okay. Yeah, so yeah, you're in the ballpark that time. Uh, we'll do cinema score. Uh, what do you think the folks in Vegas, you think they're uh, you think they're gambling, they're placing bets on these kids? <laughs> I mean, it would be appropriate if they did so. Um I'm going to guess they gave it like a B plus. Ah, spot on. There you go. B plus cinema score. Well done. And yeah, because I figure like they, they probably, you know, like us, like they enjoyed it and they're probably a little bit more forgiving, but they, I could see them also being like, yeah, I don't know. That seems like a bit much. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> All right. And then we'll finish off with Letterboxd. Now on Letterboxd, we have 303,000 watches. Pretty high. Um, you know, and, and, and lots of, uh, lots of people watching this uh, or logging in on Letterboxd, which I was a little bit surprised by, but who knows what's going on there. But okay, what do you think the average rating is? Um, I don't know. I mean, it does seem like it's getting a, a higher response than the general critic response on my letterbox, but I don't think it's like getting exceptionally high noses. So I'm going to say 3.1. Ooh, it's a bit higher. 3.7. Yeah, like I said, I, oh, wow. it's, it's got a little bit of like a letterbox club. I don't know. I, I, was, I was not expecting that. I would have guessed around the same as you, to be t- uh, totally honest. But uh, yeah. But all right, that is The Hunger Games, The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. Uh, for our next episode, I'm not sure if it will be an episode episode or a bonus because, you know, we have so many other movies. Like, there's so many things coming out. We have May, December and everything, and we, it's award season. So, you know, we have poor things. We have American fiction. Like, we're going to be watching lots of things. Wish, though, was like the latest kind of, you know, Disney movie. Kind of, I was going to say big movie, but yeah. I mean... Uh, not big in terms of box office. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I do think we got to um, talk yeah. about Wish, though, and uh, yeah, either as a full-on episode or a bonus. We'll we'll see how it pl- uh, pans out. But what else is on your radar in terms of like uh, main show that we should be uh, trolls band together? I do really want to see Napoleon, um, and I really want to see the holdovers. Yep, yep. I'm gonna try to see Priscilla this week. Um, I just saw Anatomy of a Fall. Uh, I don't know if you'll get around to that one or not. Um, but other than that, I mean, dream scenario, I'm really, really excited for, I think it comes out this weekend. Yeah. I have screeners. Uh, um, so like, I'd like to watch all these when I'm not busy. I, I like holdovers, especially dream scenarios on my list and, uh, Napoleon. I don't know. want to be able to see that. I, that's one that I'm still struggling to see Saltburn. Uh, I, I would definitely want to check out one of the sooner ones. And, uh, there's also maestro. Yeah. 
I'm really curious about Maestro. Yes. Uh, we could wait yeah, for that Maestro, one though, since it's going to be end of the month on Netflix. That one I do know is going to get a theatrical release near me as nice. opposed to uh, The Killer and uh, presumably May, December. So I am going to try. I I'll probably won't get to see that until later in December. But nevertheless, uh, yeah, I'm really excited for, for those movies. And also, I, I, I well, maybe not Saltburn. I'm, I'm kind of whatever about Saltburn. But hmm. um, I, 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 I was interested in, in Silent Night. The reviews are um dissuading me a little bit maybe I, I won't prioritize that one but i am still curious about it the, re- the reviews um, i think that you're maybe seeing a skewed version of the reviews because i'm seeing some very very positive reviews but uh also negative too I, I i'll put that out there uh there's also godzilla minus one uh yes know, a- yes that one i don't know i want to be able to see it but i'm so hyped and i yeah that's one that i'm like kind of saving for a rainy day sure um but yeah i don't know just a ton of stuff i mean like you said poor things also is on the horizon uh yeah poor things poor things is one that i think that we are legally contracted to talk about on this show there is no way there we are not going to spend at least an hour talking about poor things we can't have a guest if we have a guest poor things is going to take way too long people are going to be like i can't listen to a three-hour podcast it's not going to work it was this blank check (laughs) exactly but uh thank you so much for listening to cinemaholics we'll keep you posted on uh the next couple of releases have a great holiday and from the internet of california i'm john agroni and for the internet of pennsylvania are you saying great holiday as in like thanksgiving any of or, them or what all right gobble gobble <laughs> Eat. see you next time